Welcome back to the Harvard Center for International Development's bi-weekly speaker series podcast. This week, we are joined by Michael Clemens and Thomas Jin from the Center for Global Development. I'm sitting down with them after their virtual appearance at Harvard Kennedy School on January 29, 2021, where they discussed global mobility and the threat of future pandemics. So I'll go ahead and get started with our first question. Can you briefly discuss um, what you um, were able to talk about in your presentation and what the major highlights and findings of your research were? Great, thank you so much Sama for having us and for the Harvard Center on International Development for, for hosting our talk and for this podcast, it's a pleasure to be here. So we're looking at the question of whether international mobility before a pandemic starts exacerbates the total cost of the pandemic once a pandemic eventually runs its course. And so we see kind of current discourse talking about that globalization or that migration or that international travel has made the current outbreak of the coronavirus worse and caused more deaths. And so the question that we're looking at here is when we look back at past pandemics where we can measure the, uh, the, the total number of deaths that are caused by pandemics once they've eventually run their course, whether we see that countries that were uh, more exposed to global travel before the pandemic started, whether they actually see worse uh, outcomes from the pandemic after it's over. And so I wanna be clear that we're not talking about emergency travel restrictions during the pandemic uh, when we know that a disease is circulating. But given that that risk is true at any time, that any one of us could be kind of patient zero bringing a new disease to a, a new country, whether uh, that those risks, that those uh, reductions in travel should be permanent uh, and to, to mitigate the potential harm towards future pandemics. And so what we find by looking at these uh, four pandemics from 1889, from 1918, 1957, and from 2009, is that we see that international mobility before a pandemic, it leads to slightly faster arrival of the disease in each country. Uh, but this, the, the faster onset from a disease has then no relationship to the total harm caused by the pandemic. And so we, we don't see any kind of evidence that reducing global mobility in the future would reduce the harm caused by uh, any kind of uh, future pandemics that, that are going to arise. And to kind of follow up on um, exactly what you um, just described, I had a couple of questions about the parameters um, of the research that you kind of dove into. Could you talk a little bit about like, um, for example, at the, um, you know, at the policymaking level, like to what extent can um, the need for limitations on pre-pandemic um, international mobility even be anticipated? So we have just been living through a a, a major uh, 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 reduction in uh, international mobility that started uh, long before the, the pandemic. Uh, the, the, the regime in the United States, uh, in the UK and in other countries has been uh, systematically dismantling some of the, uh, some of the most important uh, international routes for uh, lawful a mobility of people, um, refugee arrivals to the United States down 90%, uh, dismantling of the asylum system in the US, uh, Brexit driven uh, to, to large extent by concerns about, uh, about increasing uh, mobility. And 
really when 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 we think about a a post-COVID world, uh, I think it's it's less likely that there will be people standing up and and saying. Uh, look, we need to impose quotas on international mobility because there might be a new pandemic. Uh, it, it'll be something subtler than that. It, it'll be uh, uh, the, the rebuilding uh, of international mobility uh, from the current, uh, uh, from the recent uh, assault on international mobility uh, is likely to be made much more difficult by a general suspicion of, of, of mobility and globalization uh, felt at a more, uh, uh, intuitive and, and and gut level. That is, the, the work that is necessary to facilitate mobility is much less likely to be done, and therefore mo mobility is likely to be less due to those sentiments. But but not because the, anybody ever passed a law in a in a Congress or Parliament saying, uh, due to the threat of future pandemics, we're going to reduce mobility by thirty percent. Uh, if that makes any sense. Um, th thinking back to the the historical experience of the United States. Uh, concerns about public health were a, a, an important driver of uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 that, uh, with immaterial exceptions, was not repealed for, was not fully repealed for 83 years thereafter. Uh, and, and that was, it, it was never, uh, that was never in the law that, that due to our concerns about typhoid and syphilis and other things coming over from China, we are going to exclude uh, all but a tiny uh, subset of, of Chinese people from entering America. It's more that that, that, that general discomfort and, and, and feeling that somehow Chinese people were a source of disease uh, weakened the political coalition that could have dismantled that at some point prior to 83 years before it was uh, it was originally instituted. Uh, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. That that's what we mean when we're thinking of uh, of uh, limitations on 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 mobility uh, due due to the 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 idea of the threat of pandemics uh, uh, are are not necessarily uh, explicit ones. That that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much um, for your answer on that. Um, and I guess um, also like turning to um, something that you mentioned um, in the previous response, when you guys were discussing the uh, value in um, trying to delay the arrival of a pathogen, you guys saw that it had no impact on final um, mortality. So I wanted to ask you um, about that. Like what, um, what would you say to people who would still argue for there being a value in trying to de delay the um, arrival of the pathogen? Like what can we take away from this finding of yours? I think that's a great question. And I think so we, uh, we've got a couple thoughts on that. The, the, the first is that we, we don't find any evidence from the past uh, pandemics that we look at from uh, 1889, 1918, 1957, and 2009, uh, that there was this connection between the earlier onset of the disease and the, the, the total harm. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't imply a couple of different things. One, most important being that we shouldn't prepare and that we shouldn't kind of try uh, to, to kind of be mitigating these things as soon as possible. But we just have not seen that, 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 that the, the magnitude that we are talking about here, that how much international mobility uh, is speeding up this arrival, would necessarily would be able to uh, mitigate any any of those harms or kind of have any uh, 
any of this this effect of, of uh, that a delay, a positive effect that a delay could buy. And so it, the, the question here is the magnitude that if we could delay the, the disease by, you know, six months and really be able to understand the particulars of this one disease uh, in a much more profound way, then, you know, we could potentially see a reduction, an expected reduction in, in mortality. Um, but the, the magnitude is really kind of the, the, the kicker here that it's just not going, it's, it's not going to de delay enough in order for those learnings to, uh, to really take hold in a way that, that would uh, save lives in a meaningful way. But again, that doesn't mean that we like that every kind of, uh, you know, day that we are able to prepare and, and mount a more robust response earlier doesn't matter. That's not what we we're saying at all. Can, can I just add something to that, Sama? Uh, you know, um, turning to COVID, uh, which we don't study in our paper uh, because we are studying uh, pandemics that are over so we can measure associations between globalization and the final harm of the, of the pandemic. COVID is certainly is very far from over. Uh, but uh, I think that the case of the, of the US and Thailand is, is a perfect illustration of, of what Thomas just said. So uh, before the pandemic happened, go, go back to the middle of the 2019, uh, Thailand was much more exposed to Chinese travelers uh, than the United States. The, the number of Chinese people arriving in Thailand uh, every day was about double uh, the number of Chinese people arriving in the United States. Now, uh, we, we measure looking at other pandemics, uh, in, including going back to 1889, uh, we estimate that a a, a reduction of half in exposure to travelers uh, makes the previous pandemics arrive a week or two later. And that just happens to fit exactly the, the, the experience of Thailand in the US. Uh, COVID reached Thailand January 13th, 2020, and it got to the US about a week later uh, with a, a, about a half of the exposure to Chinese people. And then you could look at that and say, uh, like, like uh, Thomas just alluded to, well, uh, you know, when in an in a, in a extreme health emergency, every day counts, and maybe that week could have been used by the U.S. to take the proper uh, uh, defensive measures to prevent people from dying. Uh, fast forward to today, I, I looked up the numbers this morning. Uh, uh, if uh, the United States had Thailand's uh, total death rate per capita in COVID, the, the total cumulative number of deaths to date would be 364 people not 364,000, but 364 people. Uh, the actual deaths, of course, uh, uh, as we record this, are 433,000 people. And by the time people are listening to this, it'll be even more. Um, because the, the United States has 1,308 times Thailand's death rate. So uh, clearly that extra week was not uh, used uh, effectively. Uh, and, and one way to interpret what we ask in our research is, is uh, uh, has that uh, has that uh, very small delay from less exposure to global mobility uh, ever typically been used effectively? And it, and in the in the four pandemics we study, uh, the the answer is no. And I think uh, you, you can tell, uh, speaking not as a public health expert, uh, that uh, it's clear to me that in in this pandemic, uh, very small delays in arrival time have have not at all been the uh, the determining factor in whether. Uh, whether you face a catastrophic death toll like the United States or the UK or almost no deaths uh, such as Taiwan, Vietnam, or, or, or Thailand. Um, so really we're talking about the, 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 uh, the, the extent to which that, uh, that, that, that extra time that you might get from less exposure to globalization uh, uh, appears to, 
in practice to be not helpful at all. I really appreciate you guys touching on the magnitude and um, really just emphasizing that, even giving us a case study to kind of reflect on that. Um, uh, it makes me really think of um, what seemed to be more of like an implicit theme kind of going throughout your report. And this idea of um, in, like interpersonal um, connections within borders um, versus across borders. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that plays into your, like what your research finds? Because I think that that really, um, it just kind of like emphasizes uh, your point. Um, if, Great question. Thanks so much, Sama. So I think another way to interpret kind of exactly what we're uh, what we're saying, and, and one extension that we do in, in the paper, is that the the harm of the pandemic is determined by the domestic response and by the domestic uh, kind of tr transmission parameters, and that the overwhelming amount of contact that you have uh, with kind of people that you're potentially uh, going to be getting the the, the disease from are from people who have not traveled recently. And so in the paper, we go through uh, kind of the, the, the percentage of people in, in different countries uh, and, and the, the per capita kind of number of people that have arrived uh, in, in kind of the last 10 days. And it's very, very small. And so one of the reasons that, that kind of even if travel continues during a pandemic, uh, that, 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 the, that the effects are going to be um, small in the grand scheme of things is just because the, the total number of people uh, that, that are uh, kind of foreign arrivals, whether they're citizens arriving, uh, returning from abroad or foreigners coming to the country for the first time are relatively small uh, overall in, in the population. And so the domestic um, uh, mechanisms and the domestic policies are what's most important that both international travelers and uh, kind of people who haven't left the country during the pandemic are uh, kind of uh, need to follow in order to to bring down the final size, but that's not uh, a kind of determinant of the um, of the international travelers arriving uh, during a pandemic. Just to, to put the, the the same thing in the, the exact same thing in different words, right now uh, uh, in the United States by far overwhelmingly, uh, tremendously overwhelmingly, the greatest risk to me walking around the street is other Americans. Uh, we uh, continue to ban uh, uh, travel from China uh, in the new administration. Uh, it's not that you can travel from China with a quarantine, with a negative test, et cetera. You can't travel from China at all and get a US visa still. Um, in uh, uh, I, I looked up the numbers on this uh, a few days ago in, in the previous two weeks, uh, as of, I think it was five days ago, uh, th there had been 12 uh, 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 COVID deaths in China, 12. And during the exact same period in the United States, there had been 44,000 uh, COVID deaths. Uh, and uh, to, to put it mildly, that, that, that travel restriction at this time does not even start to reflect the, the, the risk to me walking around America uh, 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 from uh, contracting COVID from Chinese travelers versus Americans. Uh, it is, it is uh, essentially 100% a, a risk from other Americans. Uh, and, and that point was reached very, very quickly. Uh, and and, and what we, a theoretical point that we make in the paper is that that, that point where the risk is primarily uh, from, uh, from other people within the country, unless effective domestic measures are taken, uh, is, uh, arrives uh, uh, extremely quickly.
Such great points, really. Um, it's so important, um, especially with your uh, reference nowadays to COVID, because you're um, absolutely right um, in that um, in, in the state of um, our nation um, today. Kind of um, shifting a little bit to kind of um, consider the whole picture. Uh, what you know, what other research questions has your um, like own research uh, generated? Like what other avenues, um, uh, what, other, what other questions, what other avenues um, of research need to be followed um, now that you've been able to present this finding to the academic community? Thank you. What really strikes me is that the, there is there is serious debate in the public health literature on this subject, and we are not public health experts. We're economists. Uh, I'm an economic historian, so I, I I know how to do things like dig for data from 1889, uh, but uh, we are very much consumers and not producers of the epidemiological theory that we rely on. And there is an empirical debate, uh, certainly about uh, emergency travel restrictions in the public health literature. I think, as, as Thomas mentioned, the the, uh, the the preponderance of the evidence, at least in published journal articles, is, is clearly that relative to other interventions, uh, 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 emergency travel restrictions uh, don't seem to be helpful on their own, uh, but can be helpful as a part of a broader uh, uh, a package of, of greatly suppressing domestic transmission and then with t very temporary targeted emergency travel restrictions of uh, uh, preventing new seeds from coming in um, uh, can be effective at, at some time. Uh, however, uh, it's still controversial and the, the exact mix of, uh, of, uh, of, of of measures affecting all people, such as social distancing, uh, uh, contact tracing, uh, masking, measures affecting just travelers, uh, such as uh, such as uh, mandatory quarantines, uh, for exactly whom and how long, uh, how does it vary by uh, by by citizenship, and then uh, and then limitations on international travel itself. Uh, it is controversial, and and there are you, you can find uh, studies uh, in the public health literature claiming different uh, degrees of importance for uh, for each of these things. Uh, what we think the uh, a role for our research could be is is, is in uh, is in helping focus the, the the debate away from less fruitful issues. It, it just seems to be uh, quite clear in the data that that the the extent of globalization itself prior to a pandemic. Uh, does not seem to to uh, to to affect the harm of, of of pandemics in the historical experience that we have, exactly as basic epidemiological theory would would suggest, and that implies a research agenda focusing on those other uh, interventions to learn more about uh, about what is effective, and certainly we'll need to rely on those much more if we're to have any chance of of preventing a, a catastrophe like this from happening again and. Uh, my goodness, if you if you listen to the real public health experts now, they many of them say you know COVID was just the warm up. Like there there are many characteristics of this disease that uh, that we got lucky about. Um, uh, the 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 uh, certainly the infection fatality rate is not, not as uh, not at all as high as other pathogens. The fact that it seems to to mostly spare young children, um, and 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 in the future we could be facing something much much worse and. Uh, and uh, we'd better learn uh, uh, quickly and, and permanently how, how to reduce the harm. Uh, very well put. Um, and one thing that I really admired about your research was that was exactly what you just got described of um, kind of looking back in order to kind of um, start to look forward. And kind of going along with that same theme, I wanted to ask, you know, if you 
if you were to have your perfect uh, policies, if the government were to listen to your research, uh, what would you envision uh, the implications of your work being on policymaking? Like, what would you hope um, that uh, policymakers take out of your research? I think the, 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 the most clear implication from, from our paper and our work directly is after COVID is over, right? So once, uh, once we have gotten the whole world vaccinated and we can uh, you know, hopefully re resume our normal lives is to, uh, is to uh, take down these, these travel bans and these, uh, the, the restrictions that are um, you know, uh, preventing global mobility from uh, unleashing the kind of massive gains that we know it can have and kind of moving, uh, reducing those uh, as quickly as possible. Um, I, there's probably there's there's scope to do that even before the the pandemic uh, is is over potentially. But I think our our research most directly uh, responds to after the pandemic to uh, potentially you know resuming levels and and potentially even increasing them given the massive benefits of of global mobility uh, for many out outcomes and many things that we care about, one of which is pandemic preparedness is basic scientific research um, and things that, that will be invaluable in, in the next pandemic uh, to kind of bolster the, uh, the, the scientific community and the, the kind of technology that we have to, to fight that. Um, I, that's a really great point. And to actually follow up a little bit on that, when you mentioned um, immunity, I noticed in your research, one, one area that you talked about was actually how um, limitations on mobility are um, a hindrance to immunity. Can you talk a little bit about that idea in a post-COVID world? I'd just like to say a word and then, then Thomas could, could say something smarter. Uh, you know, when, when people talk about, uh, about mobility facilitating science and scientific discovery, I think, I think probably what they have in, their, in mind is, uh, is international conferences or, or, or graduate students come to, coming to study. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's much more diffuse than that. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the sadly uh, uh, late and, and great economist Alberto Alessina of Harvard and, and uh, co-authors have found that that uh, the countries with a greater diversity of birthplaces uh, in their populations have higher incomes and higher productivity. Uh, now, why is that? It's through a, a, a thousand channels that that are, are, are I don't think our minds are capable of grasping. But you can think of it in the in the context of of uh, of the development of, by a, a partner of Pfizer of the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, a, a, a small company founded by a couple in Germany, both of whom are uh, are, are children of Turkish immigrants. Uh, one of them was the the, the uh, child of a of a gastarbeiter, a, 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 an auto plant worker, uh, without much education, whose uh, whose who, child uh, certainly uh, uh, some Germans at some point would have looked upon as a as a as a as a, as a burden uh, to the country. You know, uh, we wanted uh, workers, we got people after all, is the, is the saying. Um, absolutely incomprehensible, uh, uh, unpredictable, uh, could not be known upfront that that person's child would be uh, contributing to, to save uh, 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 easily tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of lives around the world. And, you know, why was it that, that it wasn't a, a German native that, who, who did that? 
uh, that's not uh, that's not something that can easily be understood. Uh, the, the the other world in which uh, his father didn't move to Germany can never be known. Uh, but there are there are indirect ways that the, the the connection of people, the mobility of people around the world, contribute to certainly to innovation and to entrepreneurship and to uh, uh, productivity. Certainly in biotech and and way beyond it in. In, in medicine, in essential services, in, in other things that have contributed to our pandemic uh, response and and uh, and resilience, are enhanced by mobility. Uh, you know, you, you you can't capture it uh, with uh, with uh, with anecdotes of that kind. Uh, but uh, but uh, I, I think they give us a window into into how large is the is the is the elephant that we can't see. Such a fantastic discussion. Um, as my generation would say, you are preaching. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, but yes, a really great um, thought-provoking comments. Um, you know, as we start to wrap things up, what final thoughts do you want to leave um, our listeners with? I think it's it's uh, quite it's quite intuitive, uh, kind of where the the association between kind of uh, global human mobility and kind of the, the potential exacerbation of um, of pandemics like this, uh, you, you can see why this is intuitive, why kind of the threat uh, of, of foreigners and how we kind of um, have watched the progression of, of COVID kind of rapidly move around the world from foreign travelers and how that, uh, that, that intuition uh, can, can kind of lead to uh, a wider extrapolation like that mobility has exacerbated uh, the, the costs. And so I think not only in this uh, kind of one, what we think is very important uh, question, um, but in many other aspects, how, um, you know, kind of intuition is, uh, is important and can also be, uh, can often uh, be, be correct, but it's important to kind of interrogate uh, really rigorously with as much data as we can in order to uh, to kind of build build better policy and not implement uh, you know policy that would have massive costs without without little benefit and kind of uh, start with kind of a shared um, grounding of, of facts. Well, something we talk about in the paper is that uh, putting the brake on on global mobility could be thought of as a kind of speed limit that that balances costs and benefits. You know why are there speed limits on highways? Well, it's because there's a there's a big benefit, including economic benefits, to, to being able to get places faster. But at the same time, there's a risk that's always there uh, of uh, of higher speeds leading to 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 accidents and, and and sometimes death. And we balance those two concerns by by setting a limit. Could be could be 50 miles an hour. Could be 70 miles an hour. But the but the people feel that there there has to be some limit where the costs exceed the benefits. Um, what our research implies is, is that, uh, is that the, the threat of pandemics going forward uh, isn't actually like that. It's not something that, uh, that rises for a country with the extent of, of mobility itself. Uh, it, it's, uh, in that sense, it, 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 
putting a break on globalization because of the threat of pandemics is something that's more like the speed limits for aircraft. You know, if there were a politician that got lots of concern about, about people dying in aircraft crashes and wanted to do something about it, they could say, well, we're going to reduce the cruising speed from 500 miles per hour down to 300 miles per hour to make everybody safer. And that might sound good until you until you actually look at data or think about it for a second and realize, well, wait a minute, there's, there's no reason why flying more slowly would make a crash less likely. It, it might even raise the chance that you die in a plane crash because you're, you're spending more time in the air. Uh, it, it's something that, that, that intuitively might feel effective, but, but not actually address the problem at, at hand. Uh, what we certainly need is is, uh, is 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 airbags and better brake systems and, and better lighting and uh, and and computer systems in in, in cars. Uh, uh, there, there's one in mind that that can actually detect when a collision is about to occur and warn you so you can take action. There are equivalents of all of this, those things uh, in in pandemics. Certainly, surveillance systems to let you know when uh, when there's a, a global health emergency going on so that c countries can take action, which might include in emergency travel restrictions, are, are critical. But uh, but but actually uh, actually slowing down the vehicle might be ju just as effective as slowing down planes. Wow, such a rich discussion, uh, really. I uh, this really made my day just to be able to talk about this. Um, you know, for thank you. yeah, of course, thank you. Um, you know, for our listeners, um, if you're interested in getting more of this brilliant work, you can find more um, of their work at the Center for Global Development at www.com. Um, cgdev.org. Um, thanks again to uh, Michael and Thomas for taking the time to talk with us today. You can learn more about the Center for International Development and the CID's research and upcoming events at cid.harvard.edu. Thanks again for listening um, to our listeners and we'll see you back soon. Thank you, Sama. Thanks for having us.